Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Day of Prayer Morning Bible Study. This is something that we do every weekday as a family, and the Lord impressed on our hearts to open this up for those that desire to hear the word of the Lord and grow in relationship with Him. The Lord also directed us to begin this study in 1 Samuel, because there is so much in this book that reflects his, the hearts, the mindsets, and the attitudes of what's happening in the world, in the nations, and in society today. And what's even better than that is the examples that the Lord provides revealing his nature and his character so that we can enter into a more personal and intimate relationship with the Lord and become conformed to the image of his son, Jesus the Christ, who is our pattern and example. So if we can all just bow our heads for a moment, we're going to open up in prayer and then we'll get into it. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. And we thank you that you are the most high God and there's nothing too hard for you, Lord. Make it easy for us to see you, Lord God. Help us to understand your ways and who you are and to know exactly what you require of us, Lord God, and to look into these examples that you've placed in your word and find comfort, um, encouragement, and guidance as we move forward in the life that you've prepared for us, Jesus, the good things that you've prepared for us to walk in. And we just set our heart to obey you, Lord God. We set our, our, our mind, our will, and our emotions to agree with you, Jesus, and say that you are right. And we will make ourselves come into alignment with you. We will make ourselves agree with your plan and your path and do the things that you find pleasing, Lord. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we just give you all the glory, all the honor, and the praise, Lord. And we just magnify your name and glorify you in our eyes, Jesus. We love you and we thank you for this day. Bless the hearers. Help them with grace and peace and be all the things that they need you to be, Lord. You are the I am that I am. We bless you and we thank you. We glorify you, Jesus. In your name, Lord. Amen. All right, so Samuel 1 1. Who would like to begin reading? Will, I'll start off. I'll be the first reader. All right. How far do you want me to read, my dear? Uh, just go through the first seven verses. Okay. Now there was a certain man, a Ramathian, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jer Jeroham the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penaniah. Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Silo. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for 
Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. All right. So what did everybody get out of this first section? What did the Lord minister to you? Is there anything that jumps out at you? Well, a little bit. Like how Penina, how she would try to antagonize Hannah and how Hannah allowed herself to be antagonized and felt in such despair. But it kind of also shows the jealousy in the dynamics of the entire family because the husband obviously loved Hannah more and that only provoked Penina to antagonize Hannah. But it also, she said this happened yearly, and she allowed herself to weep and not eat the entire time she was there. For this festival time, sure, or a time of sacrifice. Was it truly that he loved her more? Who, Hannah? Yeah. Was it truly that she was loved more? Or was it that there was equal love, if you will, that she was being treated as a mother who also had a child, right? Because portions were given to the mother and one for each child. So even though she did not yet have a child, because it says the Lord had closed her womb, she was still being given a portion as though she had a child, Hmm. which would be... Equality. There's no favorites. But I would think he had a favorite because he said he loved Hannah and didn't say he loved his other wife. It didn't say he didn't love his other wife. It was just what he purposed in his heart to do. Hmm. Right? That's interesting. Anything else? Is that a duck? It is a duck. We have a duck nearby. There are ducks nearby, yes. They swim in the pool. <clears throat> Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> Yellow duck joined us this morning. Yes. So. Anything else? So you could also say, yes, that she mourned her, her or she was. Yeah, I'll say mourning's probably a good word. The fact that she lamented that she did not yet have a son, even though she was being treated as though she, or a child, even though mm-hmm. she was being treated as she had brought one forth. She mm-hmm. had given birth to one. So uh, there's probably a double aspect of why she was saddened. She's receiving a blessing and a benefit, if you will, that she didn't earn, rightfully, if you will, by, mm-hmm. by what's happening. Um, which, well, you could, you could, I'll say, bring it to modern times. And with us, how's that any different from salvation? We received a gift, a blessing, a portion, 
the Lord is our portion, right? But we receive something that we hadn't earned, can't earn, we're undeserving of, mm-hmm. but yet we received it anyway. That's true. Yeah. Anything else you're going to add, honey? Okay. Not at all. We'll continue with verse 8. We'll just just read and we'll, we'll stop you as the Spirit leads. How about that? Okay. I'll read. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Silo. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the Lord God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Okay. What did any of that minister to each or any of you. I would say that when Eli thought he was drunk, I would say that he wasn't listening to the Lord. He was more so looking at the natural appearance of what she was doing. That goes to the next chapter when he was talking when they were talking about how he didn't discipline his son who wasn't following the Lord. Here he's not even following it. He's looking at natural things not what's actually going on but and when she tells him what he's doing did it say that Eli was drunk no he thought Hannah was drunk yes but he ought he was if he was truly listening to what the Lord would have shown him what she was doing exactly he was being stubborn he was Oh, Lord, I see what this is happening right here. I know what it is, but he was refusing to listen to what the Lord was truly saying about the situation. Mm-hmm. He was looking with his natural eyes or listening with his natural ears as opposed to letting the Spirit move in and through him and to give him insight, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding into the situation. Right? Yes. Okay, that's good. Anyone else? I noticed when Eli, Eli was looking at Hannah and how her mouth was moving but no words came out, I noticed that the first thing that came to mind was that she was drunk. 
Okay. So after Eli told her stop drinking, even though she wasn't drinking, Lois is showing that in, instead of actually taking a moment to listen to the Lord, he was trying to rattle off. So he was ministering out of the flesh, in other words? Yes. Okay. What else? That instead of... It reminds me of the scripture where it said, first remove the lock from your eye before you remove the speck from another's. It, how Eli was talking to Hannah about not being drunk, but he failed to correct himself before he talked to Hannah. Yeah, explain. And so, it said, it was not it. There was a scripture where it talks about first remove the log from your eye before you remove the speck from another. Okay. So, before Eli would have gone to go try to talk to Hannah, he should have First, talk to the Lord about himself and fix himself. And when he, if he had done that, that will clear up the suspicion about her being drunk. The Lord would have shown her, shown him, sorry, that Hannah wasn't drunk. Exactly. So, in other words, he was trying to correct a problem well, because of that. He was trying to correct a problem that didn't exist. It wasn't drunk. There wasn't wine. She didn't need to put it away from her or get rid of it because it wasn't even a, an issue. Yeah. So you could argue that he was creating an issue as a result of ministering out of the flesh or attempting to, as opposed to actually taking care of the situation or ministering to this woman, her needs. Okay, good. Any, anything else? Yes, well, what Hannah did reminds me of Philippians 4. Um, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. I see that in what she had here, what, what happened for her. Um, there was something bothering her and on her mind when she brought that request. I mean, she had been sitting there sulking and um, weeping and being bitter at home. But then she realized, hey, let me go talk to the Holy One about this. Let me go see the Lord and let him know what's on my mind and my heart and not making an assumption. As far as we know, up until this point, she hadn't requested the child that she desired. Maybe she just assumed it was supposed to happen. God should know. Um, and do it automatically. I'm doing everything that you do in the natural, but still not working for me. So at, at some point, she decides to get up and go go cry out to the Lord, the, the real one who can answer, you know, not her husband or not even her, um, was her opponent, to leave, not even requesting, leave me alone. But she went to the Lord to solve, you know, to find the solution to what was troubling her. And I mean, you even see that when, as she goes away, Eli blesses her and goes, okay, go in peace. See that? 
Philippians 4, 6, and 7. The peace of God that passes all understanding. And he, but he said to her, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. And she went her way, and she let that word comfort her. She extended her faith towards the Lord. She came into peace, right? Yeah. And she let the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard her heart and her mind through Christ Jesus. And she was not sad anymore. So um, you see her walking that out. And that is the same. Those facts of who God is are the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And his processes are the same. He's still the same good God. So. Amen. I also like how... She gets to this point now where, as you pointed out, she's asking the Lord for something, right? But earlier, in, uh, which one was it? Which verse? Oh, verse 6. It, it was almost like it was known, right? This is almost like hindsight. Uh, it says, because the Lord had closed her womb, right? Which is uh, Revelations 3. Seven, right? And he's talk, speaking to the churches, and he says, "Hey, uh, to the one, to the Lord, who holds the key of David, right? Who opens doors that no one can shut, and shuts doors that no one can open. So, <laughs> if the Lord has shut a door, ask Him about it, inquire about Him, uh, about why, and you know, be okay with whatever He says to you." She petitioned the Lord for to have Him open a door that was closed to her. Could open. And nobody could open. Mm-hmm. And, well, uh, we will find <laughs> here soon enough that the Lord did just that, right? But she already had the word that the Lord would do it, right? Uh, we see that in verse 17. Eli answered said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. So, and yes, she extended her faith. Okay, I'm going to receive what I've asked for. She was putting in an operation. I know that this is, go- this is going to happen. So it changed everything for her, but also how she initially, from the transition, if you will, from how she was initially approaching the Lord to now her putting her faith into action, stepping out in faith, asking and seeking the Lord for the, the desires of her heart, and again, how she approached the Lord in that manner, the change, the transition from just being sorrowful and weeping about it to being excited and stepping out in faith, seeking the Lord for it first. Um, but then I also find interesting the vow that she made, how she says that, um, this is in verse 11. She made a vow and said, O Lord, host, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but give your maidservant a male child, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Which is the... You'll find this in Numbers 6, 8 through 1. It's uh, what's known as a Nazarite. Right, we see that also in... Samson and Judges, how no razor came to his head. And it denotes a, a separation from everything, from, from the world, as it were, to 
specifically separating themselves to God. So, uh, and now typically the time that uh, no razor comes to their head is that is the, the period of time that they are under this aspect of being a Nazarite, that they are separating themselves to God until they end up cutting their hair, as it were. Yes, the time of their vow. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> she, is, she makes a, a very um, significant vow, but then also, um, as we see, she is, or we're about to begin reading, she's a, she, and she follows through on her vow, which is important, because there's many times where in life uh, we almost try to, to barter with the Lord and negotiate and... Uh, ultimately, it's just end up being manipulative. Try to manipulate the Lord. Oh, Lord, if you do this for me, then I'll do something for you. I'll get closer to you. I'll go to church more, or whatever, whatever the example or uh, situation is that we feel would please the Lord enough to to grant us the thing that we request. But then, how many times do we actually follow through with that? We ask the Lord for stuff, and we quote-unquote, negotiate terms here, <laughs> a contract, as it were, and then don't follow through. Mm-hmm. Right, we're, we're told specifically in Scripture to pay your vows to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I think it was, why should you die early? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are consequences for not doing so. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, this, there's a lot in here, but it's also a lesson for our own life. Hey, follow through with the things that we have promised the Lord. Mm-hmm. So... Or better yet, don't make vows in the first place. I'm telling you. <laughs> yes, that is uh, that is key and important. Who wants to continue with verse 19, and we'll go to the end of the chapter. I will. Okay. Go ahead, sir. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and returning came to their house at Ramah, and. Ekalon knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass, pass in the process of the time that Hannah conceived and bore a son, called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him for, asked for him from the Lord. Now the man Ekalon of his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to his husband, not until the child child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Ekelah nursed no, sorry. So Ekelah, her husband said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait till you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed his son till she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephraim of flour, a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young, and they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And he said, O my Lord, as my soul lives, my Lord, I am the one who stood by you here, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my penitence, which I asked of him. 
Therefore, I also have led him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be led to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. Did you want to keep reading? Nope. We're going to stop there. We're going to discuss it. So, wouldn't the Holy Spirit minister to anybody through that? That section of scripture. He was just ministering to me about how Hannah, she didn't go. She even though she, sorry, not even though, she kept her vow even though she could have once said, the Lord brought, gave me a baby. So the Lord's just showing me that keeping your word to the Lord is better than having a testimony. Okay, explain. Like, with Hannah, she could went off on shoes until Eli instead of keeping her word and said, The Lord gave me a son. But the Lord just showed me that she stayed because obeying the Lord is better than testifying. Okay. Well, it says obedience is better than sacrifice, right? That's, scripture tells us that quite plainly and repeatedly. Now, she was obedient to the Lord, but also to the vow that she made to the Lord, right? Yes, the Lord provided. You know, even when she asked the Lord, right, to remember her maidservant, it wasn't that the Lord had forgotten her. Quite the opposite. But it was about how he was going to bring about his promises, his blessing on her. She was petitioning the Lord to remember that, how he was going to do it and to see it manifested. Now, yes, she saw it manifested in a son named Samuel. But she was being obedient to what she had said she would do, right? Let your word be your bond, as it were, right? So, in other words... She wasn't going to lie to the Lord. Does that make sense? She was going to be truthful and obedient to what she had said, right? Scripture tells us that as well. Hey, if you say something, I'm going to paraphrase the course, but if you say you'll do something, do it, even to your own hurt or detriment, right? If you gave your word to something, follow it through. So she is fulfilling that here, being obedient and walking that out. And yes, while she walks that out, no, she doesn't have her son with her, per se, in the flesh. She had him for a time. But there is also the, the other aspect of she still has a testimony and can testify of what the Lord has done for her. She didn't have a son. Now she has a son. But she has also... She can also point and say, my son's here in the temple, serving and ministering to the Lord, right? That's, that's all. So now it's not just her, I'll say, experience and the ability, her relationship with her son that is of importance, right? Because we all have a need, and I'll say a need, but we all have a calling, that the Lord has given us to serve him, right? And in releasing her son to do that, right, she has 
now uh, one freed her son, but then two other people are able to see him experience not just her and be ministered to while he is ministering to the Lord. Does that make sense? Yes. Any questions or any comments? Not about that, but in looking at this this passage of scriptures for me, I saw that Hannah had to be intentional about keeping her vow. Absolutely. She had to prepare for it. It wasn't like she just woke up and got, oh, okay, I'm going to keep it. No, she said she made her commitment to the Lord, and then she purposed and thought about it and planned how to carry this out. How do I honor the Lord and keep my word? And um, that's that's very important because sometimes we think, oh, Lord, I'm just going to go do it. Whee! And we've made no preparation. We've made no internal adjustments or forethought into how or um, what it's going to require of us to keep that vow, to, to keep going in the way in the direction that the Lord has called us to, that he wants for us. And as a mother, it's very hard to be separated from my children. And I have, you know, we have four of you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but she had one that she desperately longed for. And I know how hard it is for me, like, just going to work sometimes. I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> Lord, take care of them. But she had one child that she was going to have to give away. Yes, she was giving them to the Lord, but there was still a bond, a natural bond there that is very strong between a mother and her children, especially when they're young. So she had to make plans and preparation and to begin to, um, even during her pregnancy, adjust her mind. You're going to the Lord. Ah, hallelujah, I'm so happy about this, but you are going, I'm taking you to the Lord. You know, she had to prepare herself, and she had to plan how to do it. So she's like, well, let me stay here now. Let me wean the child, so that way when I put him there, he can stay. And there's and she also ruled out temptation for herself, because if she had taken him and then brought him back, taken him and then brought him back, then she could have been like easily, oh, well, I've done it this many times. I'll just keep him one more year. But the fact that she said, nope, let me stay and do this part. Let me wean him. Let me prepare him. Get him set up where he doesn't need the nourishment physically that he would and he's able to be separated and he's old enough to go. Let me do this and do it right. So when I send him off to the Lord, I know that I've done my best and I don't have any temptations to bring him back. There's no reason for me to go, oh, well, I've got to go nurse my son and even to intermingle with that, to cause herself to um, draw back on her word. So I think that's something that is very important to consider. So in other words, she was preparing not just herself, but her son for life in the time that she had, them, had him. As much as she could. Uh, exactly, as much as she could. Yes, now it's, I understand that he's young and he was only what to about two or three it's approximately. Lactation, right? you know, he's just just drinking milk and sure, but there is still the aspect exactly of all like those that. things that are required, that are needed for life. She kept him for a period of time, but that time was just to prepare him for what was coming next. And I think that's a a great example for each of us with uh, our own kids, and for those that aren't your parents, for when you have your own. Right there's the aspect of the Lord gives us children. There are there ours temporarily. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, there is mm -hmm. 
each and every one of you are in us, because we were children at some point, mm-hmm. are children of God mm-hmm. for his service. Not for us, not for our own pleasure. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there's a prepare ourselves as parents to give our kids to the Lord. And you see some of that done in, in traditional uh I'll say churches and, and religious traditions and, and ceremonies. Like dedications. Well, baby dedications, exactly. Mm-hmm. But there's the other aspect of we're also preparing the child that they can function, serve the Lord in their capacity. So yeah. uh, I can't say, oh, yeah, you're the Lord's. We keep trying to snatch you back and take you back for ourselves. Oh, well, I've got to do this extra thing. I've got to, there's one thing I haven't gotten to. It was no. She prepared. Everything that she was able to do in excellence, right, as unto the Lord, in the time that she had Samuel. Mm -hmm. She didn't try to exceed that. She didn't try to hang on, latch on, or snatch back. She worked in excellence diligently until it was time to let him, I won't say let him loose, but, but to actually give him over to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And fulfill her vow. Right. And then you see that she she deemed God trustworthy. God mm-hmm. is trustworthy with the things that are important to us and that we value and we prize. He's able to keep them and not only carry out his best and his will and his plan, but also that we will be blessed in the process. You know, uh, 2 Timothy 1, Paul has a thought of um, that he's, or he says in verse 12, Towards the end, he says, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Paul is talking about something that he finds valuable. And his whether it's his time, whether it's his labor, his efforts, or something that he prizes, right? Jesus is worthy and he's able to take care and handle all the things that we find valuable. So we have no reason to hold back from him. We can trust him and commit all of our ways to him, commit all of our thoughts, commit all of our possessions, our valuables, even our children. And, you know, for her, this was a long desired and sought after only child. Exactly. But that brings us to the last verse where she's talking to Samuel, but saying, she says, therefore, I've also lent him to the Lord. She's talking to Eli? Uh, yes, excuse me, talking to Eli, where she says, Therefore I have also lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So they worship the Lord there. And it's not so yeah. much as a, Lord, I'm letting you borrow this, because <laughs> it's his. <laughs> right. I'm going to let you borrow your own stuff, Lord. But no, it's a aspect of giving unconditionally. Unconditional giving, because it's already the Lord's, not mm-hmm. temporarily. But, again, unconditionally and dedicated, steadfast, mm-hmm. being faithful. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's important for all of us. Whatever we do, we should be done in excellence as unto the Lord. And, again, right, he says, Scripture tells us the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Well, we should always be giving and even being the, the lender, not the borrower. However, there's the aspect of, when we give, given us a Lord, mm-hmm. give unconditionally, mm-hmm. right? And he says, even if you gave one of these little ones a cup of water, you've given it to me. So it's a, 
a good example for how we should go through our, our life moment to moment, just giving and ministering as unto the Lord and all we do. All right, let's close there for, for today, and we'll pick it up tomorrow with chapter 2. Who would like to close us out in prayer? Close us out. Lord, I thank you for today and for your word, Lord, and that it's good for us, Lord, and that it keeps us safe and guides us into your truths, Lord, and that it's something that we can depend on and that we can count on, Lord, and that it's immovable, immutable, and irrefutable, Lord, and that it never changes, it's always the same, and that we can always find you and depend on you for the things that we need, Lord, and knowing that you always provide them when we need it, Lord. And that you won't ever leave us or forsake us, Lord. And I ask that you'll continue to bless these people as they listen to your words, Lord, and guide them into your, the, your truths with the Holy Spirit, Lord, and just have your way with them, Lord, and do what it is you desire to do and have your will accomplished on the earth as it is in heaven, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm blessed. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.